So Psalm 25. <clears throat> to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions, but according to your steadfast love remember me, for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord, and therefore he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right, and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way that he should choose. His, his soul shall abide in well-being, and his offspring shall inherit the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. My eyes are ever toward the Lord. He will pluck my feet out of the net. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Consider how many are my foes and with what violent hatred they hate me. O oh, guard my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O oh God, out of all his troubles. Thanks, Jim. Good morning, everybody. Good to be with you again. For those who don't know me, my name's Glenn, pastor here. And as it's been said, I'm actually about to um, head off on a um, 10 week sabbatical. Well, head off, I'm still going to be at home, but I'm not heading off uh, holidays, but having a bit of a, a break from uh, ministry here, uh, which people have alluded to already, have. Um, Carolyn, myself and uh, leadership here really uh, have a sense of God's orchestration uh, in all of this. So for that, we're really uh, excited. Uh, over the years, uh, I've found myself um, relating to the Psalms. Uh, I don't know if you've spent time uh, reading the Psalms and immersing yourself in the Psalms. Um, but for me, the Psalms, maybe it's got to do with my personality or whatever, but um, there's something about reading the Psalms that puts you in touch with real emotions. Um, I think David has um, a gift from God to be able to express exactly what he was going on 
and he doesn't hold back from telling God how he's feeling and what's going on in his life. And Psalm 25 is another one of those um, where he lets God know and sort of cries out to God, like, what's going on? This is not making sense. I need to see your ways because I can't quite see what's going on here. And so um, as I've been thinking about uh, going on sabbatical and Coral and I have been talking about that, um, for me, Psalm 25 kept ringing uh, in my ears because over the years, uh, this has been a cry of my life um, and our lives uh, as well, particularly probably over the last 12 months or so as well. Uh, these verses in, in verse 4 and 5 particularly, uh, where David says, uh, Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth. Teach me, uh, for you are God my Saviour. And um, there's that sense that we want to, well, what do you want from me, God? And I think this is a question, as I minister in the church, there's probably one of the most common questions that I get given to me and people bring to me. It's like, I don't know what God wants. I just want him to show me what he wants. Just write it down or give me a vision or a dream or something. Just tell me what he wants me to do and I'll do it. And um, I think it's a common uh, human condition, isn't it? To know uh, what we're supposed to be doing. And the Psalms, and David in particular, says um, that God, there is a God who is over all, through all, and in all, uh, that can show you and lead you uh, along his paths. Uh, this psalm was actually, or these verses, um, was, were Coralyn and my wedding text, um, verses 4 and 5. And there was this sense that uh, as we began our married lives together, um, we wanted God to lead and guide us uh, in our marriage uh, and so in many ways, uh, as I go on this sabbatical, as we go on this sabbatical, there's this sense that Carolyn and I um, are going to spend this time doing this again, uh, crying out to God, show us what you want from us, lead us uh, along your paths. Uh, what is the next uh, era of ministry that you want us uh, to be in? Uh, we want um, you to clarify your call for us, uh, to renew my call uh, for serving um, this church, uh, God's church, his people. Uh, and so there's a real sense that my heart is in this psalm <laughs> that David, and it captures, where my, it's just like, God, show us again, show me again uh, what it is. And as has already been alluded to a number of times in this service, um, there's this sense that as we go through this, we know that God is orchestrating things. We know that God is already working uh, things out and that God has a plan for these next 10 weeks, um, even though we don't know them and I don't know them. And I've said to a number of people in the last couple of weeks as I've led up to this time, I've actually feely, felt really um, sort of uncomfortable and a little bit disconnected. And if you spoke to my wife, a little bit moody and grumpy and uh, just about, because I don't know and I, and I haven't got clear outcomes at the end of this and I don't know where, what God's going to do in the midst of it. And so this sort of sense of turmoil in it. But yet, I am 100% sure and secure that God's going to reveal things um, to me and to you as a church or to us as a church 
uh, over these next few months. And um, I pray too that as we go through this psalm, that God would speak to you. Because uh, I know that there are people here um, that have got situations in your life where you're crying out this. Where you're saying, God, I'm not making sense of this at the moment. I don't know what to do. Show me what you want me to do. Guide me. Give me some sort of lead. Give me some sort of uh, indication of where you want me to go or how I can even just get through this situation. And I hope that as we go through this psalm, that God will speak to you and, and give you a few points from this psalm uh, that will help you answer that question of, what do I do here? How do I get through this? What does God want for me in this season of my life? And so just now as we head into that, maybe just have a think. What is that for you? What is your situation where you want God's lead or God's guidance or God to reveal himself? And I think the other thing, as we've been leading into this service, a number of things that's been said through our worship brackets, through our songs, through um, prayers and stuff like this, um, there is this sense that no matter where we are in life, no matter how difficult there is, there's this sense that God wants us to praise Him in it. And that sort of probably for me um, leads us into this, uh, this first point that I want to talk about that I think David highlights how he gets through these situations of uncertainty and unclarity. And that is that he trusts God completely. And there's a number of verses. If you go through, if you have a look at this psalm and if you've got this psalm open, and what I've read, I've been reading through these first sort of, the first 50-odd psalms of the Bible and just how often this comes out, that it's just repeated time and time and time again of God, show me your ways, guide me, lead me, help me, I need you. And David sort of highlights the way that he begins this. It's that he trusts God. That no matter what the situation, no matter what the circumstance, uh, he's going to look to God to get him through this. He believes that there is a God uh, who is over all and through all and in all. And you can read some of the language that he uses there. He says, to you, Lord, I pour out my soul. And I think this, God is someone who can be trusted, as John sort of alluded to, with your feelings. God is not scared of your feelings. And I've, I've preached this a lot from the front. God is okay for you to um, express he, your anger uh, at situations and even at, at not understanding him. Uh, he's uh, okay with you to uh, express frustration for sadness, um, those sorts of things. David does it all the time. Because we can trust that God can handle that and, and can uh, handle our emotions. Um, the, the, truth, uh, the, the clue in this uh, psalm, is verse 2 and 5 and through that, um, David constantly talks about, you are my God. You are the one that's brought my salvation. David has a personal connection with God where he knows that God is the one who loves him and wants what's best for him. And so he says, even though in the midst of this, I can't make sense of it. I don't know where I'm going. I'm going to trust you to get me through it. I'm going to trust you that you are working in this and that when I get to the end of it, and this is what we all know, isn't it? When we look back in hindsight, when we look back in hindsight, we, we can see that there was a path 
um, guided and led for us. While even though when we look forward, we can't quite clearly see that. And so we trust that God will get us through. And in uh, verses 6 and 7, I, David goes a little step further. Uh, God, he, he reminds God of God's promises to him. In, if you have a look in verse 6 and 7, he says, uh, Remember God, he says it a number of times, Remember God, your great mercy and your love. Remember me according to your love. And he says, so as I'm going through this, and you know my situation, God, I want you to remember your promises to me. You've told me that you are a loving and merciful and compassionate God. You have told me that you're a God that's never going to leave me, that's always going to be with me. And I'm going to remind you, God, because the way I'm feeling at the moment, I don't feel it. I don't feel this reality. So I just remind you of your promises to me so that I'll trust in you again and I'll be um, putting my hope in you again. And a number of times in this psalm, there's this visual image where he says, I, I put my eyes on you, God. In this place where I can't quite see the way forward, I look to you. And I'm looking to find where you're at work in this situation. Help me to see you. And my hope is in you. I found this little quote um, in a book I read this week. I think it was a John Ortberg book where he talks about um, uh, disappointment. And he says, I often change the word disappointment um, and I change the D with a H. If I change the D to a H, then I get his appointment. And there is this sense that when I'm going through disappointment, <laughs> there is a sense of God's appointment to me in this place, in this situation. And yeah, we recognize, as David does a lot in this, that evil is at work and, uh, and sin is at work, but God is appointing me to this point in this time and he will get me through it. So I need to be looking, what are you saying to me, God? How are you, how are you wanting me to act in this situation? And so in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of not making sense of it, David says, I'll trust you. And he says, you know, this one that comes a lot through the Psalms that we don't like, particularly in our culture, is I will wait on you. Even though I can't make the sense of it at the moment, it's not my, I'm going to wait and I'm going to trust and I'm going to sort of plod through this. I'm going to step forward in this and trust that you will lead me and guide you through it. And often uh, that takes time <laughs> and processing. Uh, we don't often get instantaneous answers to these. I do believe that God can instantaneously answer us. And I do believe that God can show us a vision and give us prophetic words that help us in life. And I, by definition, they are the exception rather than the rule. Okay? They do happen, and God does reveal himself that way. But by definition, miraculous is something that's out of the ordinary. That by definition, um, the, the ordinary is that we have to work through this and, and trust that God will get us through this, even though we can't see it. Uh, and the next, we go on to the next slide. The thing that David constantly do, does, and, and, and we encourage, uh, uh, I encourage you, and I'm doing this too, is that as you go through these situations, do what David does and keep asking. Keep asking, God, show me, guide me, lead me, help me. I need to see you. Because sometimes he will bring in that revelation. That's, or sometimes you'll just see things differently. as you've, uh, Things that you've seen or read or experienced time after time, you just get a different insight. So keep asking, keep uh, um, 
searching for him. And, and it's in that asking, you've got to think about, what does asking do? Asking actually shows your dependence on God. I actually need you in this situation. I can't do it myself, and I'm trusting you to get through. And God is okay with you to ask. And I just, th- just think about Jesus. Just about think what Jesus, Jesus is constantly going off and praying to his Father. And what's he doing when he's praying to his Father? He's asking his Father <laughs> to show him his ways. Even like when he gets his disciples, what does he go? He goes up to the hill and says, God, help me choose my disciples. Um, you know, even when he's you know, at the end of his life, when he's in the garden, he says, God, is there another way? Is there another cup? Show me your ways. Um, and, and, and he asks God, and yet he trusts God uh, to get him through it. So there's no problem asking God uh, to lead us and guide us uh, through our situations. Keep doing it. But knowing in the question, questioning, this is what David does through this psalm, knowing that God is always right. Okay? Knowing that God is always right. Aware that there is sin and evil at work that's going to affect things that we do. But know that God is, remember what? Over and above sin and evil. God has even conquered sin and evil. And there is a story that weaves its way from the beginning of the Bible to the end is that God uses sin and evil to shape his people. He uses sin and evil of the world to actually mould you, shape you into the people he wants. Uh, I'd go further than that. He actually uses sin and evil for your good. And he allows you to go through it for your good. And so there's, you know, the line, um, God uses all things for the good of those who love him. And we always say, oh, that's a cliche, isn't it? Well, guess what? Cliches are cliches because they're true. They've got truth to them. And the truth is that God is using all that. And we, we're careful how we use those in situations, but it's true. And that God is using all things to shape you. And you know this. You know it to be true. Because how do you learn? How do you know about your life? How do you know it? You look back and you learn from your mistakes. And you learn from experiences in your life. And what do they do? They help you in the future. They help you make decisions in the in, and that's how we gain wisdom. And God uses these things uh, to help us uh, answer these questions that we have. Um, next, going on to uh, the next point here. Um, recognize the situation, and I've sort of alluded to it, and David does it a lot here, the, the reality of sin and evil. Uh, David here recognizes his own sinfulness, um, and he's crying out to God to be gracious to him, in the midst of uh, his own sin. But listen to the language he uses as, as he's asking God to show him his ways. He talks about being lonely, afflicted, troubled, anguished, distressed, the enemies having victory over him, um, these sorts of things. He recognized that this is his reality in the world, and he's saying, in the midst of this, God, help me to trust you and help me to see my way through. Help me to know that you are with me. Help me to remember your promises uh, to me. And he knows the God of his salvation. That's what he talks about a number of times in the psalm. That you are the God who has saved me from sin and who has won victory over evil. Even though for the last you know, days, they, uh, evil still has its influence in the world. But God has won victory over that. He has won victory over your sin and your death. And remember that as you seek him for your future. 
And the gospel comes out, and, you know, the gospel's all the way through the Psalms. The gospel is the good news that there is a saviour who has redeemed his people and has a future for them. And as we remember that, we can praise God through the pain. We can actually sing songs through the pain. And, you know, the songs that we sang this morning, they're painful songs. You know, you remember who wrote It Is Well with My Soul, the guy that wrote it, and his daughters died. <laughs> Three daughters drowned in a boating accident. <laughs> and then he writes that song. And there's this sense that he trusts God, that he will see his <laughs> children in heaven again. Be he trusts God for the truth. And that, what does that do? It gets him through. It actually gives him a glimpse of how he's going to get through this. He sees a little path that I can put a foot on rock, on the rock. My rock, Jesus, is going to get me through this. Um, my rock, the Holy Spirit, who's going to comfort me and, and hold me and sustain me as I go through uh, the situation. And you find that in the midst of that, what is he doing? He's actually guiding you. And he's leading you. And he's giving you places to step. Even though in the midst of it, we often think we don't know what's going on here. And yet God is at work, guiding and leading. As we go on to the next slide, what does he constantly do? He's asking God to guide him and teach him. And he says, you know, um, and then he, he answers how that happens. Because he says, uh, God, you are the one who instructs sinners in their ways. You are the one who leads the humble. You will instruct um, and constantly he's saying, he's answering his own question. God is the one who's actually going to get him through this. God is the one who's going to teach him through this. God is the one who's going to guide him through this. So I put my life back in your hands. And I, what I realized with this too is learning. If you think about learning stuff, learning takes time. And so as we're seeking to know God's ways and seek to find God's ways, it takes time. And it doesn't often happen instantly or quickly. It's through trial and error. It's through steps of faith, hoping that this is God's way, and then recognizing later either it was God's way or it wasn't. And you recognize, actually, I took control there, and I wanted to go my own way. I wanted to do things my own way. And yet, even through that, God teaches you and helps you and shows you and guides you back to Him. Put your trust in me, He says. And so God makes His ways known to who? The one who trusts in God, the one who turns to God. And as Rob alluded to earlier, how do we find out God's ways? We ask him through prayer. We turn to the Bible. Uh, and the Bible has the guide for how to live that, that, that shows us how we are to live. It might not instantaneously answer the question about whether I should be an architect or an engineer, but it helps us to think about my career and it helps me think about the attitudes that I have in those jobs. It might not specifically answer, you know, um, whether, I, whether we should become parents or not, but yet it gives us guidelines of how to be parents or how to deal with that or those sorts of things. And it shows us, as he alludes to here, his word uh, and God makes known to his people the ways of his covenant. And that's what he does right the way through the Bible. He shows us how to live, how to walk with him, how to negotiate uh, these things of life. So we go to the Bible, and as we go into the New Testament, we remember what the Spirit does, and the Holy Spirit comes on his church. What is one of the key roles of the Holy Spirit? Key roles of the Holy Spirit 
is to remind you who Jesus is. The key roles of the Holy Spirit is to remind you of the promises of God and who he is. And he conti- that's what he does. Jesus says, when I've gone, remember, a counselor is going to come and he's going to remind you of who I am and who you are because of me. <laughs> it's pretty well what he says. And the Holy Spirit actually shows us and guides us and leads us and helps us understand his truth. And so therefore, we can start to live lives in obedience to the word. Okay, so this is the, you want to know the way forward? Well, the way forward is obedience. And this is, a, this is a, what is obedience? Obedience is not just doing things to keep God happy. If that's your view of obedience, that's unchristian. That's religion. That's not Christian. Obedience is a love response to God. That's what the Bible constantly says. We obey because we love God, because we know that God is faithful. We obey because we trust God and we uh, love him and want to live this way. And so our lives become obedience, a love response to who God is. And as we go through these situations, whatever they are, um, I ask that, that, and I've been praying, I know Coral and I've been praying, and we pray, and I encourage you to pray too, that in the midst of these things, there's this prayer of saying, God, help me to know you more. Help me to love you more. Help me to trust you more. Help me renew my relationship with you. Help me to see you more. And in this mystery of faith, help me to know your presence with me. Help me to interpret uh, the truth. So in practical ways, we sort of alluded to already, make sure you're praying through your ways. Use experience, experience of life. That that helps us on the way forward. Uh, Use others. So there are other people who have wisdom uh, and we seek them to know how to be guided forward. And that's what I've been doing as I go into sabbatical. I've got a coach that I'm working with and uh, they're going to help me process things and work things through. Here is, is the other one. A practical thing in, uh, in knowing, or not, yeah, knowing uh, how to go forward uh, to God is to trust risk. Trust, trust and risk. And take steps of faith. So you may not know the answer. So, but what I'm going to do to find out where I should go, I'm going to try something. And I'm going to do that with God. Uh, there's this illustration that's always stuck in my head. I used to go do my head in, trying to find out what God wanted me to do. And I, in every situation, I wanted to know exactly what God wanted me to do. You have to write it down, show me or whatever. And I used to pray myself into mayhem by doing that. Uh, and there was this, we did it as a, um, a reverb service many years ago. Um, and we had these doors up. Rob Vandenberg put these doors up. You remember that? We had three doors up. And, I, and it was this um, idea that in life, God, um, as we seek him, often leads us to, um, to doors. And there was this revelation for me, I think, through God, is that he, he leads us to the door. And God then says to you, Glenn, you can choose any of those three. And, and he says, and I'll go with you, whichever situation. And, and then later on, when you look back, you realize that he's actually gone before me. <laughs> and he's actually guided me into the right door. And so I think there, don't get into this craziness of thinking there's just the one thing. that God gives us freedom to choose and know that as we choose, as we take steps of faith and risk, that he goes with us. And then later on, we find out that he's gone before us and has led us and guided us through that. So uh, knowing how to go forward is, is risky, and it's a, it's a faith thing. Um, last slide. 
last slide. Remember, and this is where Rob's thing is good, remember it's much bigger than you. It's not just about you. Because David finishes off this psalm and he says, Redeem Israel, O God. <laughs> See, David is the king of Israel. He, he's worried about the people of God and, and the kingdom of God. <laughs> and so he's wanting to know this. He's wanting to know God's ways for him, not just for himself. He's wanting to know his ways for the sake of his people, God's people, and for the kingdom advancement. And so as you go through this, remember this is not just about you. It's about the bigger picture, the big job. <laughs> and like Rob's box, you know, you do it God's way. <laughs> we want to do the big job and we want to do it God's way. And that's you know, through his word and through some of these things that I've been talking about today. And King David wants God to be revealed amongst his people. Whether they yet know him yet <laughs> or whether they know him and are walking with him, he wants God to be revealed. So as Coral and I... Um, and our family and, and myself head into this sabbatical, we're still asking lots of questions. But we know and trust that God will lead and guide us through it and that God will reveal things to us that I've got no idea what they will be. <laughs> I know that he will show us his ways and I know that this is just much bigger than Coralyn and my next steps forward. It's about his church, this church, uh, God's kingdom work as well. And as we go in, we put our trust and our hope in God and we will listen and we will act uh, and we will respond. And we are praying that for you as a church too. Well, you won't see us much around here, but we will be praying for you and Asking God to work in us as his people. And it's a great thing and it's, it's just the way, I love the way God orchestrates things um, because today's service is Lord's Supper. And so for me it's a great thing to be able to finish my last service here for the next two and a half months, whatever it is, uh, celebrating the Lord's Supper with you. Um, sort of this picture that we gather around the table and we eat with God in his presence as God's people. Um, and for me that's a great way to um, finish off my time here before my sabbatical. And uh, as we think about the Lord's Supper, as we go into this, um, this is a physical, I suppose, representation of what I've just been preaching about. Hold on. I know how cold it is out there. Just putting the heaters back on if you're wondering what I was doing. <laughs> So when, um, when God puts on the Lord's Supper, who does he do it for? He does it for sinners. <laughs> and just like in Psalm you know, 25, David recognized he's a sinner. He, he does it, he puts this, this supper on uh, for those who are afflicted by evil, <laughs> those who are suffering loneliness or brokenness or sickness or whatever. And he says, I, I, I'm putting this on I want you to come to this because I want you to remember who I am and I want you to remember who you are because of my promises to you. And so as we celebrate this supper um, this morning, he invites you to come and participate. And who does he invite? Those who are sinners and afflicted. But he invites those who trust in him, who believe that God is who he says he is 
and who I am because of who God I believe I, I, I trust God even though my situation is hard and, and, and difficult. I'm going to participate in this this morning because I trust God. And I want to remember who He is and who I am uh, because of it. Um, he, he did this with His disciples. <laughs> and He gathered His disciples around and, and He reminded them again of why He had come and what He was uh, seeking to do. He reminded them that God so loved the world that he sent his son into it. He reminded them that he was that son, the Messiah, the promised one, and that he reminded that he was going to die for them as a sacrifice for sin. And so as we do this together, as God's people together, uh, this is a sense that we actually want to spur one another on this. That's why we do it together. Lord's Supper we do together. And we're reminding each other Guys, whatever your situation, and you probably know each other's situation, whatever your situation, remember who God is in it. Remember his presence with you. And we spur, just like we, we talked about the young guys who do their profession of faith, and they're going to participate in the Lord's Supper this morning. And we want to remind them and we want to spur them on as we do this uh, together. So we remember uh, the Lord Jesus, who on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread And when he had given thanks, he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do it in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup and he poured the wine into it. And he said, this is my blood. (laughs) Take drink. Uh, Remember and believe that this was poured out for the complete forgiveness of all your sins. Remember when Jesus, Jesus often uses situations around a table to restore his people, to remind them of the truth. And I was, th- I was thinking of Peter. Remember the story of Peter? Peter's just denied Jesus. He's denied that he knows Jesus. It's probably the worst case scenario of sin that you could imagine, <laughs> of denying Jesus and saying, you know, and yet when he meets him on the side of the lake, remember, and, and Peter recognizes him off. And so what does he do? He runs to Jesus. So what's he doing? He's trusting Jesus. He's coming to Jesus. So he runs and he gathers around the, the, the fire. Jesus is cooking fish and stuff. And around this meal again, I think Jesus reminds Peter of who he is, Jesus, and who Peter is because of him. And he says, Peter, you're restored. You're right with me. And I want you to build my church. I want you to feed my sheep. I want you to care uh, for my kingdom people. And he restored so broken uh, people. And I, I'm sure Peter's thinking, what is this? Where is this? How do I understand you, God? I don't make sense of this. Show me your ways. Help me. And around the table, around Jesus again, restores him and tells him and reminds him. And so that's what we do this morning as we do that. Let's pray before we come. Lord and God, Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for the gift of the Lord's Supper. We thank you for the bread uh, and the juice, which remind us again of who you are and who we are because of you. And as we celebrate together this morning as your people, uh, Lord, will you renew in us uh, faith and trust, hope, uh, gladness and joy. And as we gather uh, uh, around and celebrate this supper together, will you spur us on? to your ways forward. 
help us and guide us and lead us uh, as individuals and as your church as we seek to do your will in this world. And so may we be ever praising you uh, in the name of Jesus. Amen.